So um, over this last month, I've been uh, reading Evidence for the Resurrection. So evidence, from the re uh, evidence for the Resurrection by Josh and Sean McDowell. They're the same uh, individuals that wrote Evidence That Demands a Verdict. Um, and you can uh, take a look at some of the, their books. But I, I did want to read a story to you because it kind of leads us into 2 Corinthians chapter 5 as we begin to study. So, And I'm going to read it straight from the book so that way I don't mess anything up because I have a tendency to embellish a little bit, sort of. We'll just call it that, right? So in 1952, Florence Chadwick took the challenge of swimming from Catalina Island to the shore of mainland California, having been the first woman to swing, swim, not swing, but swim the English Channel both ways. She was confident she could conquer this challenge as well. The day of the swim was foggy and cool, so she could hardly see her accompanying boats, even though she was utterly exhausted. Her mother encouraged her to keep going, telling her how close she was to the shore. Finally, in complete exhaustion, she demanded to be taken into the boat. When she got into the boat, she realized that she was not even a half mile away from the shore. Did not reach her goal, right? I think if... Um, and afterwards, she said, I think if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. Having the right perspective on the future can transform how one experiences the presence. For Christians, our future destination is the new heaven and the new earth. Maintaining a focus on our ultimate destination gives us strength as we struggle through the fog. What a, what a great way to start 2 Corinthians 5. So let's just open up in prayer, Lord. We just thank you for your word and um, the, the fog of the world, Lord. And sometimes it's, it's difficult to see uh, the promise, to see and have that hope in you, Lord. But uh, we know you're there, Lord, and that you're never going to leave us. And Lord, uh, we also just at this time want to lift up uh, Israel and um, the, the lack of the ceasefire and, and that chaos that is happening over there. There's innocent lives that are uh, really being lost, Lord, to um, a conflict that, well, it's been happening for years, Lord. So we just want to lift up that area. And uh, Lord, as we begin to study, again, speak through me. Um, let it be your words that edify who you are and what you do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and to back up, right, so Paul, and we've been studying about Paul on Thursday nights. So Pastor Pat uh, has been teaching, and when he asked me to teach, I usually teach 2 Corinthians 4, and that's because I only get to teach once every five years, but um, for reasons like this. Um, but uh, so uh, I was looking at 2 Corinthians 4 and evidence for the resurrection and that assurance of our resurrected bodies because my dad is currently going through leukemia treatment and chemo and um, having to uh, emergency kind of fly up there to see him, which I would thought was going to be the last time I was going to get to see my dad, you know, and, and just kind of all those emotions that are happening um, at that time. And then scripture occurs. And then reading and understanding uh, the first resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what that really meant to me as a Christian 
that is, you know, dealing with, and all of us have dealt with loss. It's been a rough year, um, and I think we could say it's been a rough year, but it's also been a blessing for a lot of us because we're still here, right? And uh, we can take a look at that, and that's what we're going to do tonight. So um, Paul's writing this letter. Um, it's the second letter to uh, Corinth. Uh, chapter 1, Paul talks about the comforter, right? So Jesus being the comforter uh, during our struggles. And then uh, chapter 2, uh, the restoration of a sinner. Um, uh, how we should react when we feel defeated. So as we look at this last year, maybe some of us can relate as we've been going through this last year. So chapter 1, chapter 2, and then chapter 3 comes the ministry of the gospel and the glory of Jesus Christ. Well, chapter 4 discusses the comfort of suffering for Christ and Paul uh, when Paul suffered, I mean, I think we can all agree, Paul's suffering is definitely not what we went through this last year. His suffering was um, immediate and, and struggles, and there's a lot of stuff happening there. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5 starts off, For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands eternal in the heaven. So, for we know, right? It doesn't say for we think or for we hope. It's for we know, right? We know, and if, you're, if you don't understand the resurrection or maybe you're missing some of those evidence pieces, there's evidence in this book that's outside of the scripture. So within the scripture, plenty of evidence, and even when we look at the overall evidence, the resurrection if you're not aware, occurred, all right? It happened. Jesus rose from the dead. So what does that mean for us? Because if we know that, all right, and, and we know that that occurred, then we could take a look at this tent, um, our house, our body, right, that is, once that's destroyed, we are going to have a new body in heaven. And when we look at this body, and some of us, you know, I'm thinking, as, as I think 20, 30 years ago, my decaying of this tent was very slow. Well, now the older I get, it seems to be going faster. So I don't know what's happening. I think it's the earth, the environment that's happening around me. Uh, my body's not reacting like it used to. I've lost, you know, as they would say with an athlete, right, lost a step. Um, I look in the mirror and, and wonder, like, geez, where did the years go, right? And we have a tendency to focus on this body. But he's telling us that we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heaven. So if it's not made with hands, who made the body that's going to be in heaven? God, all right? So God's made that body. He made a perfect environment in heaven where our perfect body is going to last eternally. And the assurance of his resurrection kind of guarantees us that spot. And we're going to see how Paul talks about that guarantee because ultimately we know death will happen in this environment. At some point, our bodies will decay, our bodies will move on. But if we can, we, and we have a choice to focus on that part, or we have a choice to be heavenly focused. And if we're heavenly focused, how does that mean for us 
shining that light for Jesus, right? So if we're heavenly focused, it's one of those we're reflecting the light for Jesus. Um, there's a lot of things happening in the world today that I believe the light, um, we are still shining the light. All right, so when, and it's, it's that whole doomsday, things are bad, things are going from, you know, good to worse, and, and we all look at it, well, here's what I know, God's in control, and the bottom line is, uh, my body here was built for this earth, but my real body that I get to spend eternity in is going to be taller, it's going to be better, it's going to be blemish-free, it's going to be, right, so it's going to be perfect. In fact, in um, two, he says, for in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. So we know we're going to have a body that's going to need clothes. And here's what's, you know, and me being a junior high youth group pastor, I'm thinking, okay, clothes. How do I relate to teens in clothes? You know, I, it, it's, for me, when I get to that perfect spot in heaven, I'm actually going to be in style. Because Jesus, Jesus is going to be the fashion designer, right? He's got the perfect clothing picked out for me. I mean, I, I needed to get help tonight, but, you know, I have my white belt on, and I've got my blue suede shoes, and, you know, so as, as we take a look at our clothing today, some of you are like, man, he is in style. <laughs> Don't worry, I get it, I'm not, but that's okay, because I know... And if you really want to look at me and say, like, ah, oh, his style is heavenly focused, because he's definitely not focused in style down here. <laughs> All right, so um, as, as we look at our body and those different groans and, um, it, you know, we have an opportunity to show others our body that's going to be in heaven. And, and how do we do that? It's, it's kind of weird because you're thinking like, okay, how do we show heaven to others? Well, it's in our characteristics. It's how we interact with each other. It's how we have conversations with non-believers. Who would, if I'm a non-believer, why would I want to go to somebody who's grumping, who complains about their life, who complains about their body, and they say, well, I'm heavenly focused, but oh, my body is horrible, and I can't wait to get there, and blah, blah. You know, and, and things are so negative, and it's always negative, and yet, oh, let me share you about uh, Jesus Christ, and, and the love, and the peace, and um, all that that he can provide. Why would a non-believer want to listen to somebody like that, right? So I have had issues with that in the past. And I'll be candidly honest, it's always been doomsday focus. It's always been um, like, hey, sis, if you don't believe, and I'm talking to my sister at this point, if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, hell's for you. And you know, you think this place is bad, wait till you get there, right? So um, those conversations happen, and it's amazing. My family didn't talk to me for years. I don't know why. But so, so it wasn't only until recently that I look back on my past and say, wow, I was kind of a jerk Christian. Okay, I was a jerk, not kind of. Um, I moved forward, and my walk and grace and love and patience and um, Things have changed in my life because I saw others 
other Christians who were patient with me, other uh, Christians who forgave me, showed me love, even though um, I screwed up. My wife being one of them, right? A great example of a, a wife that forgave my addiction to porn, right? So as I look at that past and I see where I'm going, I know that the focus is heaven and this body, which I have screwed up, my mind, which I have screwed up, is gonna be perfected when we get to heaven and when I get to heaven. And that's, that's the desire, that's the hope. So, um, and then he says, right, in verse five, I think I'm in five, I'm already like jumping in, nope, sorry, four. For we who are in this tent grown be burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, mortality may be swallowed up by life. So mor mortality may be swallowed up by life, right? This earth is really tough on our bodies. The sun is tough on our bodies. We need the sun maybe five minutes a day, um, some of us more, because I need that vitamin D. Um, and, you know, I look at the sunspots I have, and it seems like every day I'm getting a new sunspot. There's just stuff happening to my body, the, the ground that we till, right? All this was a promise, right? So what happened with Adam and Eve? They were living, walking with God in a perfect place with perfect bodies. Then they were tempted, they fall, and guess what? Out, out of the garden, you're heading out, things are gonna be rough. So when you look in the mirror, just blame Adam and Eve. So, um, now, I really saw this when I went up to visit my dad. So there's my dad, uh, the, the chemo. Um, if you're not familiar with chemo, it really just eats at your body. Um, the, the cancer, the leukemia is kind of eating at his body. And so I'm looking at a guy who's six foot who, you know, I still remember holding on to his hand, probably one of my first memories as a kid, um, being five years old, holding on to his hand, this man just respect and, and honor and, you know, the, the true entity of a father. And then I go and see him and the frailty of what this world has done to his body. But it has not done it to him because he remains heavenly focused. And yeah, there's some, there's some times where it's been dark for him. There's been times where it's been struggling uh, in regards to the faith and um, in regards to uh, who he is and what he has done because I believe as we look at that next verse, right? So now he who has prepared for this very thing is God, who has also given us the Spirit as a guarantee. All right, so the Holy Spirit is there assisting him and walking him through these, these pains, and his body's not doing the same thing it used to, but, and, and I will say, so we, we had a conversation before COVID hit, and the cancer, he just found out he got cancer, um, and as that COVID was coming down and regulations was all this was going on, he's all like, I'm ready to leave this earth. I'm ready to go up into my new body. Um, and then fast forward, that body begins to deteriorate. He then begins to look and say like, okay, what, what's really happening? The fear sets in and it's that confidence in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, right? It's the confidence 
that we discussed when I went up there in Idaho, and he has that confidence. Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead, and there's no doubt in my mind that when he passes, when I pass, when you pass, that we will be sitting with Jesus. No doubt. There's an assurance there. He, he tells us over and over. If you go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it says, for we know Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead. If you look throughout scripture, we know this. There is no hope that it happened. There's no question that it happened. We know it happened. And the Holy Spirit as a guarantee, and I look at that guarantee, um, I don't take it lightly. lightly. The old saying of uh, two things are guaranteed in life, right? Death and taxes. Well, you as a Christian, there's also another guarantee. And that is a new body in heaven that we get to walk with Jesus Christ. Like Adam and Eve walked around the garden with God, right? And some of us can look, or some of us, and I know I was thinking about this through the study, is like, how cool would it have been to walk with God in the Garden of Eden? Wait a second. That's going to happen. I don't have to think or hope or desire. I know it's going to happen, and that's why we are here today, right? That's why we believe in a Jesus that saved us, believe in a Jesus that promised this to us, because we know the truth, and that truth is going to set us free, right? Free from that fear, fear of death, free from that fear of what's going on. And, and when I think about what's happening in Israel, and I think about what's happening in other parts of the world, and, and we look at China, and all this fear, and um, America, I mean, we talk about the government pushing down fear upon us during this COVID time. We talk about, we haven't experienced fear. We really haven't. Um, I look at the blessings of, uh, of the, the time I've had with my family, of things that I have seen and people I've gotten closer with. And um, there's one cool thing that uh, being working from home is you're able to read a lot of books. And if you are heavenly focused and you begin to read your scripture and you begin to read your Bible, it's amazing how much closer and how more sure you are of the truth. So, we are always confident in verse six, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Being here on earth is physically, and I say physically being absent from God, because God sent Jesus Christ, right? And then when Jesus Christ rose and ascended to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit, right? And the Holy Spirit's our guarantee. The Holy Spirit is what communicates with us, lets us know, hey, Dwight, you're an idiot. Why are you saying stuff like that? Or why did you screw up? Um, and he's also encouraging, saying, hey, good job. Thank you, you know, for sharing the gospel or thank you for what you did uh, today, right? So when we, when we look at 
our relationship with Jesus Christ, and when I look at my relationship specifically with Jesus Christ, I have that destination and that confidence of the truth of Jesus and our destination of heaven. Sometimes, I'll, I'll admit, I'll be honest, I, I am not as confident when the pressure's on, when people are, are telling me things, and, um, and right now as we look at non-believers and, and the world and kind of what's happening out there and, and they want to invade, they want to, you know, and I don't think they're doing it on purpose, but sometimes I do, very discouraging. They don't want us meeting. They don't want you in here tonight. They don't want you hearing the gospel of truth. They don't want you hearing the gospel of love, of patience, of sinners. They'd rather you still be at home, comfortable, getting lazy, not coming to church because that's what the world does, right? The world wants us like them. So how do we combat that? How do we stop doing that? Because um, we are, for we walk by faith and not by sight, but how do we become present with the Lord? And that is where the heavenly focus comes in. That is where I see myself, um, it's amazing, the more, more scripture I read, the better, I don't want to say better my language is because that's not proper English. But anyway, so um, at the end of the day, the more scripture I read, the more I repeat. The more things in a positive light I see, um, the more things in a positive light I see in others. I turned off the news during COVID. And the reason was is because you get, I got wrapped up around it. I'm like, okay, I'm taking a look at the numbers every day and I'm like trying to predict what the government's gonna do and I'm taking a look at you know, all the things that are happening around the world. And so finally I was like, you know what, I'm done. I'm gonna start picking up my Bible. I'm gonna start picking up some uh, books, evidence that uh, for the resurrection. I'm gonna start reading more positive things that remind me of a heaven that I get to be blessed with in the future. And it's amazing how, how quickly and, and this conversation I've had with my siblings, so when I flew up to Idaho to talk to my dad, uh, my sister, um, you know, and uh, I almost guarantee she's not listening, so, but um, at the end of the day, uh, I asked her, what do you see in me? From a worldly perspective, I wanted to know what does she see in me? And she says, happy, rich, and I can't remember, there was one other, what was it? Oh, and I have a perfect life. That's what it was, perfect life. <laughs> so um, immediately happy, I was like, you're right, I am extremely happy. And we're sitting there, and my dad is literally dying in the back room. And she goes, how can you be happy at a time like this? I'm like, I know where he's going. I'm so happy for him. Yes, it's sad that we get, are going to be left behind, and I'm not discounting the fact that he is dying, and I'm not discounting that fact. But I'm happy because I know where he's going for eternity. And I know that when he gets there, uh, 
he'll, he'll be the perfect body in a perfect world. And rich, I'm like, you just see the outside. I am rich. I'm enriched in love from Jesus Christ. And I exude that. And she's looking at it from a financial perspective, which she didn't look at my checkbook, so she doesn't know. But, you know, I look at the, the richness. And 20 years ago, I would have showed her my checkbook. And I would have said, look how much money I've got or how much money I don't have and all this other stuff. Today, through my walk, I understand my rich is in heaven. My treasures are in heaven. My gold is in heaven. It doesn't matter what happens on this earth. I know where I'm heading. And that was the other part of the conversation. And then it was, what was the other word again? Oh, a perfect life. I keep forgetting about perfect. And I was like, if you only knew the sins that I, I do on a daily basis um, and perfection, you see and you see what you want to see in me. And I'm here to tell you there's only been one perfect person on this world, and that is Jesus Christ. And so um, it was a great conversation in the aspect of she's seeing something that I'm exuding, and it's coming from Jesus. And after that, I told her she was going to hell if she didn't believe. But, <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I wanted to. I, I have to say I wanted to, um, but that was not my purpose for going up there. Because, therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. Why do I do the things I do today? Why am I motivated to teach junior hires. Every, I, I'm, so somebody asked me, how long you've been doing it? And I'm like, oh, just a couple years. And then we started counting, and it's like, wait, 2007? Oh, wait, 14 years we've been hanging out with junior hires. No wonder why I haven't grown up, right? So um, wh why do I, why am I motivated by hanging out with them? We're going to Ethnos 360 this weekend. We're going to go hang out with them and serve Ethnos 360 and, and uh, serve them lunch. And we're looking forward to it. And the, the blessing of that, being able to serve others, is, is what we're really looking forward to. But, but when I look at that, and the kids get excited about the small things, the kids get excited about you know, hanging together with other Christians. And, and it's weird because you think, and this generation, and, and I'll say the last few generations, right? So the older you get, the generation that are in their teens just get worse, right? So even though you were a bad teen, you look, you're like, oh, geez, those teens are worse than they've ever been. Like, okay, um, I'm here to tell you, this group of junior hires we have right now, there's hope. All right, there is hope. They have a heart for each other. Um, they have a heart uh, to, to be connected. They have a heart to work and to serve, right? So how, what a blessing it is to be able to work with junior hires. And then, and so I, I do get asked a lot, why, why do you like working with junior hires? Because the mistakes they make, all right, the mistakes they make, they don't really know they're making, 
and they're truly repentant, where sometimes as adults, we put on this false front, right? We, we like to look perfect on the outside. Those junior hires, I remind them all the time they're not perfect. Their parents remind them all the time they're not perfect. They hear it all the time, and yet they want to grow up. They want to grow up in a world that loves them, in a world that cares for them, in a world where mom and dad are there, right? That doesn't happen all the time. So when, when we have those conversations with them, it, it's just a true blessing to see that if they are heavenly focused, who's their dad? Who's the ultimate dad? God, right? Who's the ultimate comforter? God. And it's so easy for them to receive that message because they're in the thick of it, right? They're in the thick of it, especially when they go to school and um, even with the clothes, right? So my motivation has changed over the years. I remember, and I don't know if Cindy... So I'm, I'm like one of those individuals that plans their entire life out, um, all the way up to, I think I had it up to where I was 85. I even had, you know, the dates and kind of everything figured out when I was going to die and how it was going to happen. Um, and, and so when, in the 20s, it was like, okay, so this is what's going to happen when we're 40, and I'm talking to my wife, right? And this is what's going to happen. Then we're going to retire. We're going to do this. We're going to move here. We're going, right, my whole life. And then 85, it stopped because 85 was death. After that, there's nothing else. My motivation was to get to 85. Jump forward 20 to 30 years. My motivation at 85 is to begin anew, to start in heaven. Now, I'm not saying I'm gonna die when I'm 85, but that'd be kind of weird or cool if I did. <laughs> I don't know. 85 is probably a good age. But um, at the end of the day, I know that the beginning is really the beginning of eternity. These years on this earth, we work so hard, and I know um, in my, <laughs> my grandma, God bless her, she's 90, and she's living by herself, she's doing all things, and and so I have these conversations with her, and, and she's all like, you make sure you retire young, because when you get old, you can't spend the money that you earn. You don't get to enjoy it. So, figure it out, enjoy life, and yet, once we have it figured out here on this earth, or we think we do, guess what we get to do? We get to start anew in heaven for eternity, and that's really the aim, right? So when, um, if we go back up, therefore we aim in our, in verse number I, nine, therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing of him, or to him. Motivation changes as you grow in Christ. Now, Here's where everyone gets a little scared, I guess, or have that fear, right? For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Oh, boy. 
I don't think I'm ready for that judgment seat because I know what I've done. But we need to keep reading that scripture because it says that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Who here focuses on that judgment seat? I'm going to receive all that bad stuff I've done. Right? That's that negativity when we look at our lives and, and we see. And what's the best good thing that you have done? I know that sounds terrible, but the best good thing that you have done. Accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Jesus is so excited that you did that, right? And he's going to, right? We already know he's going to talk to God for us. He's going to be like, oh, that's, that's Dwight. I know he's a little screwed up, but guess what? He accepted me. He accepted the truth. He knew, he knows the faith, for he knew. He's not guessing. He knows, right? And he knows what he has done in, his pa in the past. So when we do get to that judgment seat, um, we have a tendency to think that that judgment seat is going to be all bad and we, when we forget about all the good things that have happened in our lives. And the number one good thing, of course, accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And then what has happened beyond that. And I would like to think, right, all of you on Thursday nights, here's the blessing of coming to Thursday nights. You're here because it's good. You're here because you want to hear the message that Jesus is bringing. He, he is working on you. That is good, because you are allowing him to work on you. You're allowing him to mold you, right? So uh, Pastor Pat's uh, clay pottery presentation, right, that you are being molded. You are not the individuals that come on Thursday night that's just a big clump of clay sitting over there in the corner and um, not wanting to grow, not wanting to change, not wanting to, right? You're here for a reason. That is good. So when you're on that judgment seat and he says, that was really good of you listening to Dwight that night because it was really annoying, <laughs> you're welcome, right? There's something good. So just kidding about that, right? So um, I know I I know as I look at my faults and I look at my negativity, there are a lot of things that I have done and I like to think that I am who I am today because of, uh, has any, anybody heard of the halo effect, right? So halo effect's been around for years and um, when, I, when I look at my walk in Christ, I look at the individuals that have provided that example, have shown me, hey, Dwight, I'm going to hold you accountable in this situation. Um, you, right, I'm going to let you struggle through it because you're going to see the truth, right? And so sometimes as we have those characteristics of Christ, we begin to reflect those characteristics of Christ on others. We begin to see that the love and the patience that you decide to have with that coworker who is driving you nuts, who just constantly is negative, and you're like, you know what? I'm going to flip the switch. I'm going to be a positive influence. I'm going to show the love of Christ, even though um, it, it just does not make sense to the world, 
And I've had coworkers say, why, why do you still even talk to that person after the, what they did to you? And I, and I always think to myself, why wouldn't I? Because I would want another chance. I would want somebody to still talk with me even though I said something stupid or have, you know, blown up at, at that individual and, and sinned and because what's the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian? We know we're sinners, they don't. That's really it. We know we're sinners, we are saved by Jesus Christ and the cross. They have no clue. Patience, love. Because I know there's a tendency in verse 11, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well known to God, and I also trust are well known in your conscience, right? The Bible describes the terror of the Lord throughout the Old Testament. We can look at, at the Lord but, and some of the wrath that has occurred, right? We, and we have a tendency from Christian perspective to focus on that, like if we jump back 20 years and I'm having that conversation with my family and I'm talking about you know, the wrath, the destruction of God and things are going to occur. Um, today we're hearing it, oh, it's the end times, things are not looking good, um, all these things are happening, the destruction's around the corner, the rapture's coming, yay, right? We're all excited the rapture's coming, but yet are we focused on the rapture coming or are we gonna be focusing on the signs? Because he tells us the signs are there, but what should we focus on? Jesus Christ, right? We need to focus on Jesus Christ. So we can either focus on that terror of the Lord and use that in that persuasion, or we can focus on the grace, the love, the patience. So what I like to look at today is the fact that I've been delivered from that wrath. I have been delivered from that. I will not experience the wrath of God, right? And the reason is because Jesus Christ took that for me, took that for you, and took that for all those unbelievers out there. And if they would only see, right? So if we could only bring that truth to them and persuade them and show them, but there's only one that can do that, right? And that's the Holy Spirit. And as we look at that Holy Spirit working in each of our lives and we aim, right? So we continue and this is one of those where we go back and forth. So therefore, if we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him and we show the love of Christ to others, right? We begin to take that wrath out of this world and show that Jesus Christ is still in control. And if he's in control and he took that wrath for us, who's causing the wrath? Who's causing the issues? When we look at Israel and the Palestine, Gaza, we can, we can throw Iran in there. But anyway, so when we look at that, what's the cause of that? It's sin. Man. Not doing, right? So not believing and wanting to exude that wrath upon others. No matter how we look at it, it's sin 
man causing the problem. There's only one fix. There really is only one fix. And to be honest, that fix doesn't happen down here. It happens in heaven, right? You accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior doesn't mean that that wrath or the destruction completely goes away from a human perspective. It just means that now we will get through it and we will experience heaven together uh, in a perfect body, in a perfect world that is, I, I guess I can't even put words to it because I don't have any words because I've never been there, right? And I think that's what scares us the most is we haven't been there. See, God, God knows the truth. God knows what he's doing. God knows exactly what's happening in Israel. God knows exactly what's happening in, uh, in downtown New York and, and all these other places uh, that are fighting amongst each other. He knows what's happening in the U.S. He knows what's happening in China. He knows what's happening in your heart. That's what we can change. We can change our heart to get rid of that wrath, to get rid of uh, what that negativity brings. And when we look at our bodies, do you think our bodies were built to, to handle stress, to handle negative, to handle... Our bodies were actually built to to enjoy the love of Christ. It's amazing when we look at, and I see my dad as, as a prime example of having that fear and the stress and then the body eats. Well, praise be to God, he is beginning to heal. His body is beginning to bounce back and it's because he has begun to realize that he wasn't heavenly focused and now that he's heavenly focused and now that he's uh, looking at a, a new perspective, the body is beginning to heal itself. The negativity is out of the house. It's time to remain positive. Do we bring negativeness into the church? And I say into the church, into the body of Christ? We have a tendency to do that, right? We have a tendency to bring all our issues in and to lay it out and, and tell everybody what's going on in our lives and why things are so bad. And Paul actually talks about that. It's weird, scriptures. For we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart. See, Paul is not bragging about his trials and tribulations and how God took care of him. He's bragging about God. See, when we bring in all these issues, are we recognizing who's going to solve them? Are we, and, and I look at myself, I have a tendency uh, when I have to have everything right and perfect. I don't know if you've noticed that, um, especially in my life, right? So when things go bad, um, if I don't focus on what God is doing at that time, then I begin to spiral downhill. So you've, most of you have heard it before, but uh, my depression, anxiety really kicked in in 2003, 2004. Um, hard to get out of bed, hard to go to work, all that stuff. Um, I can brag about coming out of that, but I cannot brag about coming out of that without recognizing who brought me out of that, and that was God. And God can do that if we recognize the truth and recognize him for who he is, right? So um, 
if we are to continually focus on the negative and focus on ourselves in which I am a selfish human being. Why? Because I'm human. And when I focus on myself and not on my relationship with Jesus Christ, it's amazing how things don't go well. But the second I turn it to God and show others what God has done in my life, and, and I'll say from a genuine heartfelt perspective, I will say that having conversations and talking about trials and tribulations and getting through those with God coming from a heartfelt perspective helps others get through the same issues. We all have the same issues. We're all sinners. We're all struggling to go back up to verse number nine, all right? Our aim, what is our aim? What is our motivation? We need to aim to be heavenly focused. We need to focus up to heaven in our new place. For if we are beside ourselves in 13, it is for God. Or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge this, that if one died for all, then all died and he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. The truth the resurrection, it says it right in the beginning of this book. Um, the resurrection is not a promise of the end. It's a promise of a beginning. It is the promise that we get to experience pure joy and happiness and perfect body in a perfect world that is built specifically for those bodies wearing my Jesus jeans right clothed can you imagine being clothed in love clothed in patience clothed in grace funny when we look at it, it says, for we are beside ourselves. Has anyone ever called you crazy for being a Christian? You're crazy. I don't know what you're thinking, but whoa. All right? Why would you fill in the blank? Why would you forgive that person? Why would you um, show love to somebody who hates you? Why would you why wouldn't I if my Savior did that for me? When you are down and people kick you, are you willing to say, forgive them for they do not know what they do? Or when we see others being kicked? Or when we see others? Um, in, in the junior high, we've been talking a lot. Uh, we've been going through Genesis and Joseph and the bowing down of the brothers, right, and Joseph. And, and Joseph had every opportunity to really show his brothers who's in control, right? Joseph had every opportunity, opportunity to say, I told you guys this would happen, and now look. But he didn't. Right? We... Myself, as I look at that crazy, 
Dwight and believe you, me, and one of my coworkers here tonight, and he could tell me, oh, they call me crazy. But here's what I know. No matter what I screw up, no matter what I do, even in the name of Christ, if I screw up, um, some of this teaching, I may have misspoke, I don't know, some things happen. Uh, God can fix it. God is going to fix my body. He's going to fix this world. And then he's going to melt it down. But we won't get into that. <laughs> if you're not familiar with that and the future cube, then read book of Revelation. But, right, the, this world is going to be fixed. You are going to be fixed. We need to remain heavenly focused. Don't worry about people calling you crazy. They've been calling me crazy for years. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. When we say you are a new man, you are a new person in Christ meaning that you are going to live eternity with a perfect body in a perfect world. Wow. That should be the message every week, right? Because when we, when we look at this relationship we have Jesus, with Jesus Christ and we begin to question, um, you know, and, and we look at theology and people will question theology and people will question kind of what's happening, but the truth is, it's all right there. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. If anyone is a Baptist, he is. If anyone's a Mormon, he is. No, it doesn't say that. Is if anyone is a, what do they call us, Calvarites? I don't know. Calvary Chapelites? Chapelites? Maybe we'll call them Chapelites. So if you're a Calvary Chapelite, he is a new creation. No. It's the body of Christ, as anyone believes, right? If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Now, all these things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation, that is, that God is, or God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. We don't have to be, we don't have to work for that reconciliation because Jesus Christ already did it. Jesus Christ already reconciled what we would have to go through, right? He's taking care of it. He's taking care of the world. Um, and when, when I look at it, and if you have any questions on whether that is true or not, I would encourage you to take a look at the evidence. Take a look at the evidence because there's been only one individual and when we look at the prophecy of Jesus Christ coming to this earth and how many prophecies he fulfilled, then we look at a resurrection of a Jesus Christ and then an ascension of a Jesus Christ, the evidence is there. So if you're one of those intellects and you need to have proof. The proof is there. You just may not want to see it. It took me a while to see it. It took me 
almost, and I would have to say, uh, I've lived a blessed life, so I'm not comparing myself to anybody else. I know others have struggled a lot more than I have, but it took me falling um, and receiving grace and mercy from my wife to understand what true grace and mercy is from my Jesus Christ who's loved me throughout, who has patiently waited for me, who has put me up here because he knows if I'm not preaching, I have to steal this from Alistair Begg. He goes, if I'm not, I can't pull off the British accent. But, right, so Alistair Begg said, if I'm not preaching, then I'm not coming to church probably. So Jesus Christ put me in this position to make sure I go to church. All right, so, but now, then, in 20, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, we reckon, or be reconciled to God, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I had to look up the actual definition of an ambassador because I wanted to make sure that I understood correctly. An ambassador is an accredited diplomat sent by a country as its official representative to a foreign country. You are an official representative of God. And when you leave here, you are an official representative of God. When I leave here, I have to remind myself. I have to go, like, oh, you're an official representative of God. All right, so... For me, it's like, put your foot, just cover your mouth, just don't talk. Right? If we are official representatives of God, how are we going to change? How am I going to change? What does my motivation look like? What do I aim to do? What am I looking for? What is my future? My future is in heaven with Jesus Christ. And if I remember that and remain heavenly focused, then guess what? My life will change. How I receive the bad changes. I then begin to see the blessings in the struggles. The joy, right? So I know uh, Pastor Pat's been talking about joy and we've been getting all over scriptures and what that looks like and what that means. Be a joyful, happy Christian because guess what? We are heading to the greatest place ever. It's not Disney World, kids. <laughs> Even though that is pretty happy. Unless you're the parent paying for it. But, <laughs> all right, so enjoy this ride because it's just begun. When you look in that mirror and you're like, oh, oh, look at the bags under my eyes. I'm just looking, oh, I feel really old today. Oh, you're just a baby. We got eternity but the good thing is this tent it won't be going with us it's going to rot here on earth we're going to have a new body we're going to walk around with jesus christ let's pray lord we just thank you for the opportunity to come and hear again the assurance of the truth the message that you have for us, and that is your son, Jesus Christ, died, reconciled the wrath, took care of all the sin for us, so that way we can be accepted 
be loved, receive grace, receive mercy, and truly be in a relationship with you, Lord. And I'm looking forward to the day where we can uh, be up in heaven walking around with you in a perfect body and a perfect world that was built by you and not harmed or touched or messed up by humans. And the Lord, as we leave here tonight, if anyone in here has not received that message, has not truly grasped and understood what Jesus Christ has done for them, give them the opportunity to, to talk with whoever brought them or, or another believer, Lord, to, to walk them through that prayer, to show them what it means to accept you and understand what it means to accept you. Help us remain heavenly focused throughout the rest of the week and the weeks to come, Lord, because and I'm, I'm praying for your rapture. We want it to come quickly. We thank you in your son's most holy, precious, and loving name. Amen.